There you go. Give us a call right now or shoot us a text message. Talking about text messages, we've got a few here. Um, someone wanted to comment that all the money today is printed by the Reserve Banks who are privately owned, and this is how they took over the world and control of the governments. You know, the rate at which they're printing money right now is rather terrifying. Mm. It does very much scare me. And Why you can are we see, printing money? Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> when you print money, the economy, the, the value of money collapses. Yeah, well, I know that, but why are we print? I, I, dude... I've I've had like ten dollars sitting in my glove box, like a ten dollar note. It's not even in my wallet; it's in my mm. glove box. Mm. Yeah, like, paper money. Yeah, for well, plastic, plastic money. Yeah, for like folding, folding stuff, like real in person money mm-hmm. in my glove box for like the last month and a half it's that still, I haven't it's, used. That stuff is still legal tender. Yeah. Wait, so, so when we talk about <laughs> printing money, like are yeah. they literally printing money or are they just adding? Literally printing money. And then what do they do with it? Like just, someone just deposited it into just, an just, ATM? Just, <laughs> dump, it into the, dump it into people's bank accounts. It's, it's actually really terrifying um, what's happening there. And you can see, you know, when the Bible talks about, we, we mentioned that passage earlier, you know, you, you rich men weep and howl for the miseries that are coming yeah. upon you because your money is worthless. Mm. You've heaped together treasure mm. for the last days. You know, the cries of the slave laborers that you have oppressed have come up to the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. Mm. You know, these, this is this is what the Bible says, is what the Bible describes. And you can see that actually taking place so easily when governments start printing money. That's why you need to invest and invest how I've invested. So I've invested in material things like multiple guitars no. and motorbikes and cars. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. You need to invest in heaven. The that's kingdom the of heaven. Amen. Amen. Oh, that that's right. That's right. Yeah. The Canadian pastor, are they for real? Talk about freedom of speech. Welcome to North Korea, which is controlled by the Jesuits. You know, okay, so um, yes, I will take that North Korea analogy there because I think that is very much um, the direction that Canada is heading with that piece of legislation, which backfired on them epically and has now made them the laughing stock of the world. But be that as it may, um, you know, what I think is most interesting about the Jesuits, I'm going to talk on, comment on the Jesuits for a moment. Uh, I don't believe that Jesuits run everything right now. Mm. And a lot of people are going to be shocked, like, oh, no, 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 I can't believe you just said that. I think the genius of the Jesuit order is that over the last 400 years, they have actually set the world up so that they don't have to. Yeah, Totally. And it's much more effective when other people are doing it other than them mm. because then nobody can actually point the finger and say, aha, aha, you know, these terrible Jesuits, look what they're doing. No, they've educated the world. And so mm. now the world, who they have educated, does what they do. That's, that's my thoughts on it. You know, much, much the same as, as you find with some of the other secret societies like the Masonic Order and the Illuminati and so forth. Uh, they don't need to be as directly involved as that, what they were. And when you look at their involvement, it's not as direct as what it was in the past. You know, mm. you, you, look at, you look at the, uh, the Prime Ministers of Australia, and I think it used to be two-thirds of all Australian Prime Ministers were Freemasons. That isn't the case anymore. hasn't been the case for a very long time. And the reason being is because they don't need to. They've accomplished their goals. Everything is set up, mm. and now it is following a certain trajectory that is... You know, based around the, the, the based around the concept that if you give enough time, you will accomplish. You don't have to accomplish everything today. You just create the environment in which all of your goals will be. That's my thoughts. That's mm. my theories. I could be wrong. I don't think I am, but I could be. Mm-hmm. 
Um, somebody says here, what are we laughing about? You know, this Canadian thing reminds me of Australia today. Yeah, I haven't seen that in Australia yet, but we're not far off. Yeah. I've got to tell you, there's, tes- there's, there's legislation in Tasmania and Victoria that is right there. It's right on the edges of it. Um, and then it says, I should mention that biblical lockdown has always been for the sick people, not healthy people en masse. Ooh, spicy comment. <laughs> so, lockdowns for healthy people do exist in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you an example of that. Uh, healthy women who gave birth to healthy babies were placed in lockdown for like a month or so mm-hmm. while the baby was developing its initial immune system, which is a fantastic system. Very, very enlightened, particularly for, you know, what we would consider to be the conditions that these people were living in, which would be the conditions of a developing country. Give the baby a chance to develop its immune system before all the million relatives come and touch it and breathe on it and, you know, get things in its mouth and so forth. Um, Great system right there. So the question is, is this en masse? It depends how you define en masse because when it includes Every single pregnant person, sorry, every single newborn uh, mother, new mother, mm. every single new mother, that's en masse for a people group. Interesting. It's not the, I will freely admit it's not the same. Mm-hmm. It's what we have right now. Uh, let me see here. No wonder most of us don't wake up rested. I'm connected technology from seven till I go to sleep at about 11. <laughs> that's really unhealthy. Blue light, screen light. Should not go to not go to bed with um, screen light. I do listen to the Bible, spirit prophecy sermons, educational information, which actually helps me to relax and be at peace mentally. It helps me not to think on worldly thoughts. And, and this is a, this is an important point right here because if you are listening to stuff rather than watching stuff, then it's actually super effective. Mm. Um, that's a really good idea. And so I'd encourage you if you if you're watching stuff on YouTube or whatever, um, you can often you know particularly sermons and Bible studies and so forth. Put the headset in. And don't look at the screen. Mm. Don't look at the screen, and that will help you to be much, much more rested. Yeah, I don't have to worry about that because yeah, usually I'm getting home around eight, nine o'clock, and I just fall asleep in my car. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, not while driving, but I, I pull up at home and 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 just before crash. I get out of the car, I just <sighs> sleep for like I don't know, like twenty minutes, and then or to an hour, and then wake up and go like <laughs> and go like, oh man. This isn't my bed. <laughs> they will come to my bed. <laughs> ah, the life of a breakfast show radio host. Oh, I love it. It's so good. <laughs> early to bed, early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. This is why Lawson and I are so wise. <laughs> yeah, it's called breakfast show. I'm so smart. Uh, <laughs> okay, your statements on Jesuits. I agree, but behind the scenes, they're in charge. And lockdown for pregnant women is a long, long day, long way from what's happening today. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Mm. Um, I do. I, I just do take a slight exception to people who keep hammering away with this. Biblical lockdowns were never for healthy people. No, that's not true. Mm. Was there is a precedent for it? Mm. Might not be for the same as for today. Okay, this one's an interesting one here. Um, yeah, so this is a story. So on Sunday, somebody met one of our listeners. One of our listeners met another listener. Yes. Uh, I won't give the name. She told me her husband became a believer after listening to Faith FM. Wow. Um, hence introducing his wife, the person that she met, to Faith FM. Mm. Um, I got a bit of a chance to share my story as she told uh, 
as she told me she listens while on her way to work. I told her she could listen any time and, as, and when she gets time. She was um, uh, excited about some books that she got. She loves the breakfast show a lot. So, team, keep doing what you are doing. The anointing of the Lord is upon you. Praise God. Oh, shout out. That's awesome. Mm. Guy became a believer listening to Faith FM, introduced it to his wife. Now they're both believers listening to faith. This is why we oh, exist. Powerful. Mm. This is why we exist. And this is why we need you as our listeners to go out there and to share Faith FM with the people around you because mm. the more people we can get listening to this show, the more people we can reach with the message of Jesus' love for this world, how much he cares for us, how much he died for it, and the fact that he is coming back again soon. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. All right, let's get back into our Bible study. I'm keen to get into it. Let's go to the book of Deuteronomy, and we're going to look at the word. Uh, let me see here. Where are I? I had this word. It was written down right in front of me. It is the word smr. Hey, just speak. <laughs> we were talking before. We were talking about North Korea and economies and rich people and all these yes. different things. Dude, speaking about North Korea and the and the economy, um, did you know that North Korea has one of the most failing economies ever? You know they have 25 million people and their entire GDP is like $40 billion compared to Australia that has 25 million and our GDP is like $1.3 trillion. Wow. North Korea is struggling, bro. Oh, they've been struggling. Oh, I mean, they, they, they regularly go into, into starvation. Mm. They regularly face massive famines in North Korea. Dude, yeah. But it's I, a rough place. I, I learned that like a couple of weeks ago. I, I was like, I was interested in North Korea because I want to go there. I want to go and visit. Pyongyang and stuff through bye <laughs> goodbye <laughs> we have enjoyed your time here on Faith FM no I'm Australian citizen or I just need to not take photos and then I'll be okay <laughs> and not tell anybody what you do for a job yeah that's right that's right nah I should be oh true oh if they find it if they're like he works in the media. Yeah, if I'm a he's journalist. On, he's on Talkback oh. Radio. No, well, I have a friend who went to North Korea. And they're not, they don't do radio, do they? Yeah, but they're American. So, I don't know. Fair enough. Anyway, yeah, let's get into get the Bible, Bible study. study. Yeah, that's right. We're getting the hurry up from producer Shell. Thank like you. Get into the Bible study. You're sidetracked. Okay, we are sidetracked. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 9 is where we are going to, to look at this word, S-M-R. It's kind of like Mrs., but with the S at the beginning rather than the end. Oh, I know a person, and they're from the Czech Republic. Yes. And their name, their last name is Smurz, so S-M-R-Z, no consonants. It would be easier if it had a Z on the end. Smurz, but this is no, just Smur. Smur. Okay. I don't know how it's pronounced. We need a, Okay, we need somebody who's an expert in Hebrew. <laughs> you, from your time at college, you must know somebody who knows Hebrew who can tell us how to pronounce this. Me. <laughs> oh dear! But SM, I'm sure it's like th- there might be there. Are, there are no vowel sounds. Like there's no vowels in this word be- because, like, how he was written is that you, if you vowels. just write in consonants and then you yes. give little accents to denote the vowels. But no this is no given, accents. There are no accents given here. Oh wow! So I think it'd just be smur, to be honest. Okay, or right. smur or something. All right, read it for us in chapter four and verse nine. But watch out. 
Be careful never to forget what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live, and be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. Interesting. Mm. So, smur is translated in your translation as watch out. Yeah. What's it called in yours? Take heed. Ooh, listen. Now, this is this is interesting. I'm going to ask you this question, Lawson, because I grew up in a Christian home, uh-huh. and the first Bibles that I read, you know, at church and so forth, and were preaching Bibles and whatnot when I was a kid. We're going back to the 1970s now. Mm-hmm. Were mostly KJVs. Okay. Yeah. That was kind of the standard Bible that pastors would use when they preached because they knew everyone would have a KJV. There's a few other translations that were about in the in the mm. in the nineteen seventies. You had your revised translation and so forth. There was a few different revisions out there, but not many. Yeah. Ninety nine point nine percent of people had a KJV. And then you've got, you know, your 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 New King James and your NIV really have a a, a massive impact in the early eighties. Yeah. Um, so you've got the... Uh, New King James Gang. Yep. <laughs> and your NIV Boomer Bible. <laughs> All boomers love the NIV for some reason. I don't know why. I like listening to the NIV. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> made my skin crawl. Um, but anyway, getting back to what we're talking about here, so that's what I grew up in. I did use the NIV when I was a teenager because that was what we used at school. And mm. so I owned an NIV mm. and it was a result of reading the NIV that I became a Christian. Powerful. Praise God. Mm. Then one evening I lost my NIV and the only Bible I could find, I was doing a Bible study that night. I was probably maybe 17 huh. and I found a KJV and I started reading. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. And I've been reading KJV ever since. Uh-huh. Um, just whole bunch of reasons other than simply the cool factor. Yeah. But my question is this. If you were to speak to somebody your age, an average person who had never read the Bible before and you used the words take heed, would that actually do, – do, do people know what that means? I thought – Because I don't know because I know, I know KJV English just as well as I know modern English. I thought the first time I ever said – heard take heed – Yes. And I, I'm so happy I remembered this because I can give you a direct answer to your question. Uh-huh. The first time I ever heard the phrase take heed, I thought it was in the sense of like, you know, when they do, um, like, uh, um, uh, what's, when you have two, two people on either side and they pull a rope, what's that called? Tug of war? Yes. And they go, heave! I thought that's what it was. Take heed. <laughs> take heed. So I was like, oh, take heed. It's like you're, are they saying like grab something and pull it? Like, you know, it kind of works. Yeah, grab onto this truth and pull on it, <laughs> so that you never let go of it. Of course, when people pull the big rope, they say heave, not exactly heed. But it's like you know, Doug Batchelor when he first read the Bible for the very first time, and his reading ability was not that great because he had a terrible education. Mm. and he was reading about, you know, the brethren. Everywhere the Bible talks about the brethren, and he thought it was breathing. <laughs> and he's like, man, they do a lot of breathing back in the day, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so it is It is kind of cool when people come across the Bible for the first time, you know, as a teenager and uh, struggle with some of the English that's contained in it. Oh, I mean, t- your NLT there, uh, what does it say? Watch out. Watch out, yeah. Um. 
I think we all get that. Yeah. And especially because, like, the first Bible I ever owned was was a New King James, which isn't, like, terribly difficult to read because it's very updated, but still it leaves in a lot of the... Like, it takes out yeah. the these and nows, but in terms of, like, using, um, yeah, descriptive words and adjectives, like, it'll leave in the older words. And, yeah, there was a number of words that I came across, I remember, in my, my initial readings that were, like... Yo, imagine, what does that mean? Imagine how much you're... I've got a New King James here, I think. Let me just, yeah, there's a New King James. Mm. Let me just look it up. Where were we? Deuteronomy chapter 4? Four. 4 and verse 9. Verse 9. The print on this is so small, <laughs> and my eyes are so wrecked. 4 and verse He's, he's doing some nine. squinting. <laughs> yeah, it says, it says, only take heed to yourself and yep. diligently keep yourself, mm-hmm. lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Mm. I do like some of these. I remember, uh, um, you know, we were out sailing one time and we used to go, you know, grew up in Tasmania, there's water everywhere, so everybody kind of owns a boat. We were out sailing for the weekend and we were anchored up in the lee of Partridge Island near Bruni Island and mm. the lee side of the island has a very, very small spot where there's a an old pier very short one, very deep water, and a tiny, tiny kind of a bay that gives you a, a, a minuscule amount of shelter. Mm. And, of course, uh, everybody was sheltering there, and the weather had been coming out of the south, which gives you great shelter, but then it started to swing further west, and it would swing further west, and then it started to swing into the north. And when it started to swing into the north, they got less and less and less shelter, and everybody's starting to cram in closer and closer and closer and closer. And there's, you know, there's yachties there, there's there's landlubbers there, there's all kinds of people. And uh, we were with a friend of ours who was a professional crayfisherman. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, they're trying to, all of the yachties are trying to organise themselves into this little spot. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they're getting, you know, a bit confused as it's all taking place and, and nobody's understanding what's taking place and, you know, we're trying to communicate to this particular person to, you know, to, to grab this rope, pull hard on it, and then tie it up. Mm-hmm. Anyway, eventually our fishing mate, he just bellows out across the water with his massive voice because, you know, being a cray fisherman working the west coast of Tasmania, he's used to having to use his voice from time to time to be able to communicate. And he's like, make it fast! <laughs> and the person grabs the rope with a scared look on their face, ties a clove hitch, ties it off, all done, problem solved. Mm. And I was just like, oh, I haven't heard that for a long time. That was some King James English right there, but they immediately knew what they were supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so make it fast to watch it, to grab hold of it, to take heed, to take heave, as like Lawson would mm. say. Uh, this is what the Bible is uh, referring to right here. And somebody's texting through to just say that they now prefer the Amplified Mm. Um, because with the Amplified, it will give you all the different kinds of words that might go along with that. Mm. Um, some people find it cumbersome. Some people are like, oh, yeah, but all those extra words, they just say a whole lot more stuff. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right, let's go back to Deuteronomy, and we're reading this passage here which talks about take heed, don't forget. Mm. And I'm going to add in there, Make it fast. Yes. Tie it down in such a way as it is never, ever going to let loose. Mm. And, of course, um, text message coming through here, isn't it amazing how easy it is to forget all the blessings God has done in our life, Wow! especially mm. if you are doing okay? It's called selfishness. We Oof. are all guilty to a point. It's also called pride. 
Yes. Because we think that we contribute to the good things that happen in our life. Yes. You know, whereas like the only contribution we can actually make is a decision. Yes. To be used by God. So, dude, yeah, so true. All right, let's go to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. This is an interesting one right here. Genesis 2 and verse 15. Mm-hmm. Genesis 2 and... It's another, it's another example of the word smur. Smur. Okay. Genesis 2 and verse 15. The Lord God placed the man in the garden to tend and watch over it. Oh, watch over it. Is that smur? Watch over it. That's smur. Smur? Okay. Smur. Okay. Okay, so watch out. Take heed. Don't forget. Mm. Make it fast. Let's put all of these together and let's put it into the context of this. What was Adam's job? His job was to tend the garden mm. and to keep it to smur, mm. um, to not forget it, to make it fast. In other words, God gave him a very specific responsibility to look after this garden and to keep that garden, mm. which makes it, you know, the first sin all that more tragic because... You know, God had given him this, and God had given him this is like, don't ever let go of this. And, of course, what does he do? He lets go of it. He does. Yeah. Mm. And so then God comes back again with his covenant in the book of Deuteronomy and says, okay, I gave Adam a garden, and he let go of it. I've given you a covenant. Don't let go. Mm. Yep. Make it fast. Take heed. Watch out. Don't forget. That's oh, that's such an awesome point, Law. Like, because the covenant was ultimately symbolic of well, it's basically you know the application of a promise between God and humanity to give them salvation. Um, it's like yeah, it's like I give Adam a garden, he let go. I'm giving you salvation. I'm giving you redemption. I'm giving you the ability to came back. Like Adam let go initially, and as we know, the Bible says you know through Adam all men have sinned. Okay, so here's a really interesting. Is a really interesting concept. Mm. The promises, and, and it goes like this, the promises of God are always so sure that they are counted as present reality, that they are re- present reality. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you a couple examples of this. Um, one is, uh, when was Jesus crucified? On the cross? Yeah, when? Like on... What year? Uh, AD 30? 31. 31. Yeah, yeah, AD 31. So Jesus crucified AD 31. And uh, yet the Bible says in Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8 that he was crucified before the foundation of the world. Yes. Which one is correct? Um, both. Both. Yes. And the reason that Revelation 13, 8 is correct is because the promise was made that Jesus would be crucified. And the moment mm. the promise was made, which obviously was made from eternity, it was present reality. Mm. Yeah, it was going to take place. It was present reality that Jesus was the Son. It was mm. present reality that the incarnation had happened. It was present reality that Jesus had died. It was present reality that salvation had been assured, mm. even before sin existed. It was present. Re- All of these things were present reality because they were based on the promise of God. Mm. I'll give you another example. Jesus says uh, to his disciples, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And if you do eat my flesh and drink my blood, you do have eternal life and I will raise you up at the last day. Yeah. Okay, wait a minute. Do you have eternal life or do you have a resurrection? Because you can't have a resurrection if you have eternal life because a resurrection requires a death. Yeah. Uh So Jesus says, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have eternal life. Mm. And I will raise you up at the last day. Mm. So which one 
Which one's true? Even to add to that, there's like points where Jesus says, "Like, oh, you'll by no means pass away. Like, you won't, yes. you won't even die." Yes, and it's like, yes. "Oh, did all those all those people die?" <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so what happened? And it's like, uh-huh. and, and the reality the, is, it's like the present reality. Hmm. So, so the promises of God are so sure that they are counted as present reality. Yes. that they are present reality. Mm. Okay, so now let's think about this in the context of the garden. Adam is given the garden, and he's told to keep it. Don't let go of this. Yes. Keep it. He lets go. Mm. The moment that he lets go, what does God do? God comes back with the covenant Mm. and God says, I've given you the garden back. Wow. Are we living in the garden now? No. No. Not even Adam was. No, and not even Adam was. Yeah. But in reality, we have that garden right now. Mm. And this is what God is saying here in Deuteronomy. I've given you the garden. I've given you the covenant. Adam let go of it. He forgot it. Mm. Don't you let go of the garden. Don't forget it. It's yours. And that garden for us becomes symbolic of our salvation. It becomes symbolic of our redemption because the promise is, you know, that garden was made as the home for the first human beings and God's like, this is going to be your home. Mm. So it all goes it all goes back to that garden. God said, keep it. Don't lose it. All right, let's go to uh, chapter 6 and verse 7. In Genesis? Uh, sorry, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and, and verse 7. Verse 7, uh, where the Bible says right here, Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you are getting up. Okay, so why would God tell his people to do this? To remind them. So they don't forget. Yeah. So they keep it. <laughs> He's like, you've got a garden, you've got a covenant, you've got salvation. Remember this, go over it every single day. Mm. Don't ever forget. Why does he say to do that? Because he knows how easy it is for us to forget. In Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 19, the Bible says, You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. God's covenant is something that is to be on our on our lips, on our minds, on our hearts, something that we think about, something that we speak about, something that we share with our family, something that we share with the people that are around us. You know, somebody asked me this last uh, Sabbath, how do you know if you're a Christian? And I answered, where does your mind go when it goes into free will mode? Where does it just naturally end up? Your happy place. Is it on the things of God or things that you own? Mm. There's your answer. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We have been having the most fascinating off-air discussion while that song was playing. And it's because we... All about the question of the day, Mm -hmm. which we are about to get to. Before we do, just a quick text message that came through. Um, Today's study hit me like this. Hit me like this. Also, we quickly forget a lot of times God has stepped in and Mm. saved us or given us an awesome price on something, or waived that fine or fee. Be faithful, mm. Sky. Thank you, Sky. You get text message of the day of the day today. Awesome. Yes. But right now it is time for question of the day. So our question of the day is essentially this: we've had a, we've had text come in and describing a situation, but it's essentially like, how should we stand up to what we view as government 
coercion or oppression or these kinds of things. Issues of conscience. Issues of conscience. And um, I wanted to actually take a shot at answering this because I recently preached a sermon about this. Well, by recently, I mean in the last year. And I thought that the Bible actually shares some interesting principles about this. It's it's funny that at the time, I I thought it was a really important subject to preach on. Um, That has become all the more important over the last year. Hasn't it ever? (laughs) God spoke to you. um, Lawson, you need to prepare the people. What's coming? (laughs) So we're going to basically have a look at what the Bible says and look at a specific example in which um, the people were forced to do something that they didn't want to do and how they stood up to that. But before we before we get there, I want to make this point that Jesus himself, this is a really important point, Jesus himself never made stands or protests for civil, civil liberties. No, he didn't. In fact, he advocated being subjugated by powers and governments. You know, the he Roman, said the, Roman the Romans. He's like, if render Roman... unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. <laughs> right. Ouch. Furthermore, like he's like, oh, you know, if a Roman soldier, you know, if he asks you to walk a mile, walk an extra mile. Yes. Like, so Jesus, he's not pro being oppressed. I would say. No. But he's pro- this is the thing. He is pro witnessing. He is yes. pro giving glory to God. Yes. Um, and we can only have that stand by taking not a, posi- a, a position of extreme subjugation and just letting ourselves be trampled over, but by seeing the situation for what it is and saying, I have the opportunity to minister to someone even through this very harsh circumstance. But in terms of issues of religious liberty, we see a few examples in the Bible, and I want to focus on one, and that is... Um, Basically, the Daniel chapter 3 story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing before the fiery furnace um, and standing before the idol that Nebuchadnezzar yes. had set up. So, Making a stand on religious liberty, on the issue of religious liberty on behalf of the Jews who were in captivity at that time and if they didn't make a stand would be first forced to worship this image. That's right. So that's basically how, the, how it goes down. Nebuchadnezzar makes an image. He makes a decree. Everyone needs to worship this idol. Obviously, that comes into conflict with the Jews because they're like, we don't bow down to idols. We have one God. And so the music starts playing. Everyone's bowing down. The Jews decide to stand. Nebuch- because all the other people are welcome to bow down because they're all polytheists. They just add this God in. Oh, yeah. We're good to go. Yeah. Jewish people can't do that. They can't. And they they stand and they they look around and no one's standing with them and you know and everyone else looks around and sees these three guys standing so they decide oh well we need to tell Nebuchadnezzar they tell Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar says well the decree's pretty clear I need to throw you in the fiery furnace and this is where I want to make my first point because look at their response so they they are receiving supreme religious persecution for this stand that they've taken and look what they say to Nebuchadnezzar. O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If you, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Yes. So t- two things I see here. The first one is that their stand was one that was very non-aggressive because they were being, That's right. they were being aggressed they weren't rioting. against. They weren't rioting. Mm-hmm. They were sacrificing themselves. That's right. This was self-sacrifice. So this was self-sacrifice, non-aggression. Yes. Okay. The opposite of aggression. And for the purpose of glorifying God. Yes. They're like, the God whom we serve can save us. And they follow this up with, but even if he doesn't save us, we won't bow down to you. That's right. If, if they, there made is a- they made a solid stand. It's like, look, we love you, Nebuchadnezzar. We will do whatever you say. But on this issue, this is an issue of conscience. 
And on this one, we cannot compromise. Yeah, and we will receive the consequences for it. Yes. Insane. It's like if Nebuchadnezzar had come along and cut their wages in half. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Whatever. But on this one, no, our conscience involved. This is where we draw the line. This is, we're, and we're going to die for it. That's like the most gangster thing ever. Like they're just like mic drop. Like they're like we don't care. We will lose our lives for this. But look, but look what ha- But look what happens. Um, and I'm essentially what happens next is the story. They get thrown into the fire, and they're okay. Nebuchadnezzar looks in and he sees one standing with them who looks like the Son of Man, and it's like, oh, who's that? Jesus, Jesus. You know, the pre-incarnate Jesus, the Son of God is standing with them in the fire. So when we take a stand for God, Jesus is standing for us. Like, this is an important point. Oh. And in a point of non-aggression oh, too. my mind is just blowing right now. stand for God, Jesus stands with us. And then furthermore, what does that lead to? They get out of the fire and Nebuchadnezzar bows before them and worships God. Yes. Yes. And so because yes. of this, like we see this situation. Jesus made a stand. Uh-huh. For religious liberty in the fire. That's right. With these guys. And so check it out. Like ultimately it's a, it's a four, it's a four step plan. It's like, you know, when it comes to these issues, we take the route of non-aggression because that's what God's calling yes. us to do. Secondly, we try to glorify God through our stand. We can glorify ourselves. We can make ourselves look like noble people and we can, you know, because yes, sometimes lots of things that impede on our, Issues of conscience are very inconvenient to us. But no, they took a stand for God here, not for themselves. And because of that, Jesus stood with them and the people around them changed their mind and were converted. Because if we come with non-aggression, people will fight back. How are we going to prove our point if we just kill people or fight against people or riot because of what we believe? No, because they stand for the truth in a non-aggressive way, God stands with them, and because God stands with them, Nebuchadnezzar is converted and changed. And we have the same opportunity today to glorify God through our stand, to to make our position known. Hey, no, this is what I believe, but I'm willing to receive the consequences with it. I'm willing that my life will get actively worse because it's the right thing to do, because I love God more than I could ever love any possessions or even my life any freedoms that I receive, or even my life. This is the point. So, guys, when we want to take a stand, I think that's the first thing we should think of. How is this glorifying God? We should think of the fourth man in the fire. Amen. Uh, off air, we were just, oh, our brains were still going yep. like wildfire, and we find, we were just talking about the two, two, the two times that Jesus stood for religious liberty. Yeah. Once was for the Jews uh-huh. in Babylon. The other was for the Christians at the stoning of Stephen. That's right. Twice that Jesus stood for religious mm. liberty. Interesting. Yep. And, of course, the Jewish religion was a licensed religion of the empire, so that's why he never stood for religious liberty during the mm. uh, during his ministry on earth. But also it, was also it was also because, like, the stand that Stephen took was one where he literally was self-sacrificing. died. self-sacrificing. He died. This was not aggression. This was self-sacrificing. Mm. Yes. And Jesus stood with him. Of course, if you would like to know more about the Bible, if you'd like to do one of our courses, uh, we have about 18 different courses available through the Discovery Center. They cover subjects like you can do a course on archaeology in the Bible. It's a three-part series. Mm. You can do a course on forgiveness in the Bible. You can do a course on prayer. You can do a course on Bible prophecy. You can do a course on the life of Jesus. They're all there and available entirely free. Don't forget to talk faith, live faith, act faith. You will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you.
his counsel's guide uphold you. With his sheep securely fold you, God be with you till we meet again. Until we meet again at Jesus' feet again. God be with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.